Alright, what's good y'all? Welcome back to the Cycle 365. This is the continuation of our mini-series about youth sports. I am your host, Simon Voyanos, and I have a special guest here with me. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Kenny Long from Typher Radio and the, the hit TV show Friday Night Tykes. Sir, he is the voice of Typha, and for those of you who don't know... TIFA is the Texas Youth Football Association. It is widely considered to be the most competitive youth sports league in the nation. And you know what? I'm going to have to include this in here because I, I'm biased. I'm a Texan. You know, as of right now, I do live in Colorado Springs, Colorado, but I grew up in Texas, Plano, Texas, to be exact. So, you know, watching Friday Night Tikes for me honestly was like just reliving my entire like sports childhood. And it was crazy. So, Friday Night Tikes, it's a hit show. It was, I guess, originally filmed by the Esquire Network and viewed on there. Am I correct, Kenny? That's correct. Esquire Network did have an online channel that was uh, able to be uh, received on cable television. And then shortly after, they uh, shut that down and we moved over to USA Network. That's correct. And so Friday Night Tikes itself, it is on Netflix as of right now. And, you know, sadly, it was discontinued, but it was honestly one of the most eye-opening shows and controversial shows that was going on at the time, you know? And so we have Kenny Long here. He's somebody, if you've watched the show, he's announced pretty much all the big-time games that went down, you know, all the big storylines, and he was always there. And, you know, he was interviewed in season four. He had his own little segment there before the infamous Judson Jr. Rockets versus Floresville Wildcats game. So, you know, there, there's a little bit there, but you know what, Kenny, how about you tell us about how long you've been in Taifa and, you know, some of the roles you played in this organization slash league? Well, uh, I got involved with uh, Taifa, the Texas Youth Football Association, back in 1999. Uh, that's when my kids uh, were playing youth football at the time. Uh, if you watch the backstory, you saw that uh, episode at my house on season four. My wife and I, we raised 10 kids. Uh, we had six boys, and four of them did, uh, in fact, play football, enjoyed playing football, and they played for the Live Oak Jaguars, uh, which is one of the original organizations in Taifa. Uh, from there, once they kind of aged out, uh, I still was involved with the, the Jaguars and they asked me to do their stadium announcing uh, at the football field in Live Oak Park, which I did for them, which led to the Typhoon Radio thing. There was another gentleman, which you saw in season one, uh, that actually started it. Uh, but then after that year, uh, picked up and left and left it to me and I t- took over from there and uh, been involved with Typhoon ever since then. And uh Along with doing Typer Radio, I'm also a board member and chapter director. Ooh. Hey, that's that's awesome to hear, you know. So obviously you've been with Typha for for a really long time. Well, I mean, first off, before we move forward, I gotta ask you, how much of Friday Night Tikes have you seen at all? Because uh, I know, you know, some people don't like watching themselves on TV or listening to themselves speak, but I'm sure for you it's a little bit different. Now I've watched every single episode. Um my wife and I would, when they would finally bring out the episodes, usually starting in about January, we would sit down every night and uh, watch the episodes to kind of see just how it transpired after production and what have you. And uh, it also helped me because, I, of course, I get a lot of questions about the show and kind of helps to see what was produced and put out there for everybody to see to be able to answer those questions. So I saw every single episode. Hey, that's perfect. <laughs> that's that's honestly perfect. I remember those days, you know, waiting on TV for those 
uh, episodes to come on. It was it was honestly one of my favorite shows, honestly. So okay, so since you've seen pretty much every show and obviously, or sorry, every episode, and obviously you were there for a lot of the big time games. How accurate would you say the portrayal of each team, coach, player, and situation was, just generally, in your opinion? Generally, they were they were fairly accurate. Um, just like any kind of reality show, particularly the type of show that we had, um, you'd have some some individuals, and I had many, many, many conversations with guys after the fact that they'd been filmed, before they were filmed, knowing they were going to get filmed, and I would try to warn them, uh, got to be careful what you say, you never know where those microphones are going to be at, never know where the cameras are at. And you guys, I'm sure if you watched the show, you saw some of those instances that occur. Uh, we call it getting that Hollywood fever. Uh, now, all of a sudden, they think they're a Hollywood actor. Hey, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. There are definitely some characters on the show. And I think first season of Friday Night Tykes was definitely most controversial and the one that really, you know, made a name for Friday Night Tykes because, you know, he had a lot of different characters that feel like compared to the other seasons didn't quite understand how much they would be filmed and whatnot like like the likes of charles javaria he was probably the most controversial coach ever on on the show maybe even in tv show history now just saying some of the things he did and whatnot and i know you you've got the opportunity to interview him as well i have uh charles and i we, we, we still kind of connect every once in a while on, on facebook or twitter or what have you um and I, I can tell you, you know, personally, Char what when all that went down with Charles, it was one of those eye-opening things for him himself personally. Um, a lot of these youth coaches don't quite realize. They, they think back to their days, you know, playing high school football, you know, if those that did play. And they, they remember how their coach, they were treated on the football field, how their coaches yelled at them, said the things that they said, uh, things that were said during the games. Uh, and they kind of carried it over to the youth level. And uh, I think that was a very eye-opening experience for not just Charles, but for a lot of people. Um, and it, it, see, you're right. Season one was very, very eye-opening. Uh, it brought to light as a board member uh, for the league a lot of things that we needed to do better. We needed to look at and understand what's going on on the practice fields, in the games, because as officials, we can't be at every single football game. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I totally get that. You know, I, I just realized we didn't really get a lot of time to, you know, kind of talk and for you to get to know me. But I am somebody, like I just said, who is from Texas, uh, the Dallas DFW area, specifically Plano, if you know where that is. <laughs> yeah, I, I currently uh, reside in da the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I live in Euless. Oh, okay. Hey, that's perfect. There we go. Awesome. <laughs> but, um, Yeah, so like I said, I am from Texas, but I did move to Colorado right before high school. Uh, but I, you know, I was still able to come back and train with some of the greats in the high school football, specifically Kyler Murray over at Allen, Texas, in addition to Eno Benjamin from Wiley East, who just got drafted by the Arizona Cardinals as well. I do understand some of the things that you know, coaches go through and whatnot as first off as players and then how that translates as coaches. And so I would even say it was eye-opening seeing some of this stuff because in the moment to me it was normal to have stuff like you know like some of the stuff that i'd see say a charles javier do or even a marika's goodlow or a fred davis 
because that's that's just how i grew up i i don't know if that's just a texas thing or what but it really did take me you know watching the series after you know i went through playing some football in colorado and then i, I just graduated from the university of northern Col colorado two weeks ago so i i have my degree in physical education and coaching as well and so i have had experience coaching at that level and it's it's interesting you know it's hard i guess you know separating what you learned as a player to how that translates as a coach so so i get that you know but a lot of people who have seen the show honestly don't or maybe they don't have as much you know football experience honestly don't but you know texas hey it's a tough it's a tough state for football it's honestly in my opinion the most competitive state for football and it's it's crazy you know well, and, and you have to be honest with yourself, especially if you're someone that has played the sport or been around the sport at the upper levels, at the high school level, at the college level. Um, this is how coaches do talk. And, you know, this show really brought to light some of those things that were going on. Now, should some of this comments, some of the language, uh, the, some of the, the statements that these adults were making towards these young six, seven, eight year, nine year olds? Absolutely not. I mean, we, they just took what they knew what they're they're reliving their football days knowing what it was because there wasn't a whole lot of youth football when we were kids uh, it was it was once you got the high middle school high school that was your first experience for real football hey, yeah no for sure and you know, there's definitely i guess a little bit of a generation gap you could say there and so yeah no i i totally get it i totally get it all right so moving forward you know let's talk about typhoon for a little bit a lot of in the show they did say it is arguably one of the most elite sports leagues in the nation and i would have to agree from a coaching standpoint and a player standpoint some of the things i see the rookies which are for our listeners who don't know they're eight and nine years old and the juniors who are 10 to 11 you know some of the things that i see them do i honestly a lot of my kids i don't want to i don't want to call out my own athletes but, you know a lot of the athletes that i have coached you know struggle with just concepts and you know, just natural ability it's it's crazy and so with taifa arguably being one of the most competitive leagues you know in the nation from your opinion why why is it so competitive what why is it so so great well i mean Probably the, the biggest thing when it comes to Taifa is, you know, and people have to understand, they see some of the, the level of play. We have two division of plays. We've got Division Two, which is what we consider, somewhat consider a little bit of a lower division. This is a, where organizations, not so much players, but organizations uh, struggle a little bit more. Maybe they don't have the right coaching aspect, things of that nature, um, and can't compete at our Division One level. Our Division One level is a lot, lot faster of a game. Uh, the coaching is a little bit better. The players seem to be a little bit better, maybe because of the coaching. And I, that's going to be the biggest issue. But the big thing about Taifa that a lot of people don't understand is Taifa is not an all-star league. This is not where you come out, you sign up, and you try out to make the team or make a position. Um, this is, you know, if a kid wants to play football, he goes to your local grocery store. He goes to local academy where they've got a table set up he pays the fee signs the paperwork and he becomes a member of that team now whether he gets to play or not is going to depend on what he does in practice what he does you know with the coaching aspect behind him uh but you could play for any team and be a member of that team you don't try out for the team yeah no for sure for sure no that's that's totally understandable you know typha I mean, hey, like, like you just said, it's not an all-star league, but, you know, I would say there are, there's definitely talent in that league for sure. I mean, wouldn't you agree? 
Oh, there's a lot of talent. I mean, even at the Division Two level, don't get me wrong. Division Two, there have been Division Two teams that I've seen throughout the years that probably could have compete and even beat some Division One teams that are competing. Oh, hey, that's that's see, that's really interesting. So, all right, so staying on the topic of Taifa, um, your opinion because you did have boys right who went through the league and whatnot and as well you've you've been around the league for a really long time but in your opinion how well does taifa prepare kids for football on the next level specifically in this case i would say middle school high school um i think taifa does a very very good job of that uh uh, example in point for you um an area of texas called the rio grande valley which if you're from dallas you know where that's at that's the mcgallan down by the mexican border um We've got a chapter down there, the RGV, that generally they, they always say at high school level, they always claim to struggle when it comes to high school football because of lack of talent, maybe lack of coaching. There's always all kinds of different reasons. But in the last several, I would say the last five, ten years now, uh, during playoff season in high school football in Texas, our, we, they used to call it Valley Week. San Antonio in the first or second round of the playoffs would go and play the teams in the RGV and just destroy them. And here in the last five, 10 years, that hasn't been happening. These Valley teams are starting to come back. They're starting to really compete at the high school level. They're making it to further levels of the playoffs. And I wouldn't be surprised to see an RGV uh, high school uh, making it to the state championship sometime soon. Uh, We've got one of our players from, uh, well, several of them, uh, but one most notable is uh, from the Mission Mustangs, the quarterback, uh, Jeremy Duran. Uh, as a freshman, he, he got the starting job for Mission High School and led them to the playoffs for the first time ever. Took them back to the playoffs again last year, made it another level. Now he's a junior uh, starting uh, quarterback, and all expectations is that the Rio Grande Valley will be represented in the state championships. Oh, see, that's that's just crazy. And you now, I mean, obviously, I'm from Texas, so I still follow, you know, Texas high school football, and I do have connections with some college coaches, you know, and they know that I, I have some expertise there. And so I've definitely basically witnessed the rise of the Rio Grande Valley these last couple of years. And it's crazy because you're right, Jeremy Duran, he is one of the premier quarterbacks. As far as I know right now, he does not have an offer yet. I know he's been having some looks. Always been having some looks, but you know, Jeremy Duran is not the only, you know, good quarterback in that league. Obviously, there are some other good ones just to throw out there, you know, Anthony Sotelo, Eddie Marburger, you know, and that's definitely an area that's been developed. I would say, well, I don't want to say solely by Typha, but you know, I feel like, in my opinion, Typha has a really big, you know, hand in developing that area to be competitive in Texas football. Oh, absolutely, and I think, uh, you know these kids that are that are rising up into the high school ranks now, playing uh, at a competitive level like Typha offers, and really is the only is basically the only show down there in the valley that that competes in a statewide level, not so much just such a local level. Um, I think it really comes to bear. It shows that these high schools are starting to compete at the high school level, out of the RGV, and starting to make it to the playoff range. It's it's really exciting to see that, and we see it not just the RGV. Uh, you see it out of West Texas. You see it out of El Paso, uh, Houston, Dallas has always been strong. San Antonio uh, has been up there as well. They they, they kind of hit and miss at times, 
Uh, but the RGV has never really been a competitive area that people look at. And now they're starting to ha actually take a look. There's no more Valley Week anymore for San Antonio. It's a, uh, oh, we got to go there. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And hey, I, I love it, you know. As a native Texan, I'm always going to be rooting for, you know, players that come from Texas that have been moving up. And, you know, I, I did a little bit of research and look into some of the other players you know, that start in Typho that are now, you know, kind of making a name for themselves. Because I know Max Preps a couple weeks ago did release, you know, some film on Mizell Miller, who was a star for the San Antonio Outlaws. And then, you know, for the Outlaws as well, once they made that transition to the Snoop Youth League. And then that kind of just led to, you know, a rabbit hole looking at Jeremy Duran, looking at Tate on lot looking at some of these other guys who honestly just starred uh on the typho level and now you know they're making a name for themselves oh sorry latrell mccutcheon now he's arguably one of the bigger beasts in there and so with all that being said you know who or what was the most impressive or interesting moment to you or experience that you've had in typho involving players or team um you know, there, there's so many. I, I, I've seen so many of these young uh, men that have grown up and are, are competing at the high school level now, some that have re reached the college level now. Um, it's really hard to pinpoint any single one. Mizell Miller has been probably one of the bigger faces of Friday Night Tights and of Typha uh, while they competed until they left. Um, and he continues to, I, 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 him and I have run, run paths uh, doing tournaments out of state and he's been a part of. And uh, we joke about it all the time. We see each other. Uh, but Mizell, you know, is, is doing good. Uh, I think he's had some humbleism. Uh, I think he kind of got the little bit of the Hollywood bug as well when he first started the high school. And then he's been able to come home. And it's helped him. I think it's helped him develop. Um, another one you could point out would be uh, Lucas Coley. A lot of people forgot about Lucas. Lucas. Uh, Lucas Coley currently is getting Division One offers from a lot of big schools. He just, I think, he just got one uh, from uh, Louisville. Yeah, no, for sure. I've I've definitely seen that. You know, there's been a lot of buzz about Lucas Coley. He's been he's been racking up those offers, which is really interesting because, honestly. I mean, this is just my opinion in retrospective, looking back at Friday Night Tykes as a show, I feel like he wasn't featured as much like, you know, he was featured a solid amount because, you know, his dad was a coach and, you know, he was a, you know, he was a championship level quarterback. But honestly, he was somebody that wasn't featured as much as a Mizell Miller or as a Tadeon Lot, you know, but yeah, no, absolutely. He's been racking up offers and, you know, I think that's just a testament to, you know, how well Typha has, I guess, prepared some of these boys and, Friday Night Tykes as a show as well, you know, kind of giving some of these kids a little bit of that taste and then coming back, you know, uh, as, uh, back to ground level, you know, and humbling them a little bit because I know Mizo Miller is playing for, ironically, the converse of Judson Rockets. Judson has always been, you know, one of the powerhouses of uh, Texas football. I remember, oh my gosh, I, I have some bias because I am from Plano and so some of the old heads in Plano complain about, you know, the last state championship that our squad has ever been to, the Plano squad, that is. And they did get to go against uh, Converse Judson, and they got destroyed. And this was back in 93. I wasn't even born yet, <laughs> but I remember being a kid. <laughs> I remember being a kid and people being like, oh, man, that Judson, you know, that that last game was the downfall of our program. And not that Plano has been terrible. It's just, you know, it hasn't been the same kind of powerhouses 
obviously they've Judson has overcome our winning, uh, you know, our winning season streak. And uh, I guess they've gotten pretty close with state championships as well, if not overturned or overcome it by this point, pretty sure. So I, I'm biased towards Judson, but anyways, Judson, they're a great program. And I know my Zell's over there along with uh, Alan, let's say Alan Caraccio. I, I might, I may be getting that wrong. He was on the outlaws as well. Yes. Alan Caraccio. Yes. Yeah. And Crouchio plays safety, right? And then Mizell Miller now plays a uh, defensive back cornerback from what I've seen. And you know, Hey, I mean, Judson, that's a, that's a squad to make. There's, there's nothing to, to joke about that, but I do feel like both of them are, you know, they're prepared. They're ready. And they, they have plenty of time. They're going to be juniors next year. Right. So they'll, they'll, they'll get there when the time is right. Well, and another big name out of that squad that you're talking about, LJ Butler, is at the rival uh, in-district school um, at Judson. He's at Wagner High School. He's been the leader <laughs> of that organization there, uh, leading them to a state championship uh, tr uh, attempt. Yeah, that's hey, that's right. So as you can see, there's so much talent you know, that Typha just happened to have. And you now these guys, they're, they're definitely players that in the next coming years, they'll get a lot of college offers. They'll get a lot of looks. Sure, there will be a couple articles by ESPN or whatever coming out about you know their development because it's, it's so crazy to just think that we've basically seen them grow up as football players from the age of eight or nine till till now you know yeah it's it, it's amazing to see what how these young men have turned out and it's a, it's a lot of fun oh by the way um, I'm a little biased as well because I am a Judson Rocket go Rocket Pride <laughs> hey all the respect to you I I. I I know I'm biased, but I got respect for Texas teams. Always, always, <laughs> always. All right. So did talk a little bit about, you know, some of these players kind of, you know, get, getting a little bit of that Hollywood fever. But how much pressure, whether it's good or bad, would you say that, would you say is put on the athletes that are in Taifa just in general without the TV show? You know, because I know it's a competitive league. Well, in general, I don't think there's any pressure on the kids to perform. Um, the, the the biggest thing that Typha pushes with the coaches, with the adults, with the organizations is these kids are here to learn the game of football. They're also here to learn how to be a family. They're they're here to to learn how to you know work for themselves and work as a team. Uh, that's the biggest aspect. Um, and I see this day in and day out. As much as you see the adults, and I'm always on the adults about how they act with the kids and what have you. Uh, how much pressure you see them putting on them during the game. And sometimes you see the kids get upset because they've lost because they do have that, that, that drive to win. Uh, 15 minutes later after the game, after maybe a hard loss, you'll find that same group of kids from both teams over on an opposite field playing a, a game of touch football while the other game's going on. Oh man. Hey, see, that's awesome. That's all. That's what football is all about. You know, I, I really do believe that. And Hey, it, it does get really competitive. I know, like I said, I played in Texas. I know how it is. It's, it's really hard to, you know, admit, admit your losses after all the preparation, you know, you do. And it, it does get crazy because the whole process of, you know, just playing Texas football, uh, even on the high school level, well, specifically on the high school level, it's it's a lot. You know, you got film, you got you got all these workouts, you know, two days, stuff like that, all the off season stuff, which, you know, is already kind of giving me some PTSD, not going to lie, <laughs> because <laughs> it, it's it's crazy. You know, it, it is what it is. Right. And OK, so like you said, there, there's not a whole ton of pressure, at least that's what the league you know wants to do, obviously, because every coaching staff is different. Am I right? 
Yeah, every coaching staff is different, and you know, I I know there's I've seen them. There's some coaches out there that do put a lot of pressure on these kids, um, and it, it's something that we try to watch out for and try to address uh, when you do see it. But for the most part, I, I can tell you when I when I see these kids on a daily basis, when I'm out running around doing games, and I see them out there on the football field, first and foremost, they're out there because they want to compete, and they, they tell me. Uh, you know, hey, I, I'm I'm coming for that type of radio player of the game award, and they're going out and they're really playing hard to, to po- try possibly have me select them for the win that award. But whether it's a win, whether it's a loss, they may be upset. Like I said, 10, 15 minutes later, a, a chili dog and a bag of chips and a Gatorade later, they're out there playing touch football with the very players they just got done battling against on the football field. <laughs> and that's awesome to hear. That's that's honestly what youth sports should be. Oh, and I totally get it. All right. So moving forward. So with the creation of Friday Night Tykes, you know, obviously, I mean, I guess if you live in the state of Texas, you're bound to hear about Typha. You know, I heard about Typha before, I guess, Friday Night Tykes, but it was it was real vague. I would say like I didn't hear a whole bunch of details. You know how big Texas is, right? You know, stuff that happens in San Antonio, Houston, like that's that's San Antonio, Houston stuff. In Dallas, we worry about, you know, we worry about ourselves like, you know, other cities do, right? But uh, Friday Night Tykes um, coming down to Texas and making this whole thing about Typha. Did you think, in your opinion, was there any noticeable pressure put on teams that may not have been there if nobody was filming this whole season? You know, when it when it came to the show and the teams that were being followed, sure, there was, there was pressure on those organizations to compete. It was pressure for them to win. Um, obviously the TV show wanted to follow organizations, wanted to follow those teams uh, that were winning, uh, that were going to go to the playoffs, that were going to possibly make a championship run. Um, you could you could see that pressure. And off camera, I saw some of the pressure as well. Um, but at the same time, these, these teams, these organizations, they chose. They didn't have to accept it. They chose to accept it and, and put themselves in the spotlight like that. So as you saw, there were some teams that just couldn't quite compete and it, it showed very much very quickly during the show yeah no doubt doubt. No, and you you could see it like like i said i'm i'm a huge fan i've rewatched it like a ton you know because like i said it's kind of just flashbacks for me like i'm just reliving my childhood again almost it's crazy but uh, uh, you could definitely see the pressure that is put on teams that you know may not have been there before and no, so in this age where you know technology is such a huge thing with social media and what and whatnot, how do you feel about you know shows being made about youth sports? Maybe a return of Friday Night Tykes, or you know just an increase presence of you know, people posting their kids' uh, highlights on social media and kind of just trying to you know maybe to a degree some parents might do it, some might not, but pressure their kids to perform so they have something to post about. How do you feel about that whole culture in general? You know, when the show first started, it was a great thing. It was you know, definitely, obviously, highlighting our league, and we love that. Highlighting our kids, which is what I definitely loved. I love the fact that they were paying attention to the kids. Um, as the show progressed, you started to see more of the adults getting involved, more of the adults uh, getting more of the, of the camera time, uh, all of the bickering and things like that going on. That's when I started to kind of shy away from it. I wasn't like liking it so much. Unfortunately, I think it has created a bit of a culture in youth sports, and particularly youth football, where you see adults, these parents, and I do a, sh- a show every year uh, right before the season, 
on Typer Radio, and it's my message to the uh, to the parents slash agents: um, be a parent to your child. Be there to pick them up when they, you know when they fail. Be there the, to celebrate when they win. Uh, support them. Allow them to learn the game and be a part of this team. Uh, but if you want to be their agent, then we've got a special place for you. It's a roped off area over the corner of the end zone where you cannot be near any of the coaches or any of the parents that are spectators. And you can mouth off all you want from there. And then we'll let you loose uh, once the game is over. <laughs> oh man hey, I, I I mean I, I love that you know I love that you addressed all that because I really do feel like you know parents can you know I mean I think everyone knows this by now but like parents are definitely a drag on youth sports and so specifically one episode in Friday Night Text that I want to highlight it was actually the same episode where you got your little segment in season four and <laughs> I think I think you you know where I'm going with this but it yes, is I know Oh yeah, it's the Judson Junior Rockets game versus the Floresville Wildcats. Oh, and there was oh my gosh, there's just so much going on. First off, I mean this is just my opinion. Mike Dotson, that quarterback, what a guy! Like man, he he really carried that team, and that's oh man, it, honestly that sh- that episode, that scene, and that whole thing going on. Honestly, with all you know, there are a ton of negatives there, but his performance was phenomenal. I have to say. It was. He had he had a fantastic game. That was that was a a, a career game for Dotson. Uh, I think it also helped him grow up some as well, because uh, you saw during that episode how upset he was getting, and how uh, uh, Coach Brunson really had to, uh, or excuse me, uh, Coach Tommy uh, really had to kind of re- rein him back in, calm him down, and basically let him know, hey, you got this. Relax. You've got, got this. You can do this. And it really boosted his confidence. You could see that as the game unfolded. Um, but that game, <laughs> go go ahead, ask me the questions you want for that. Game. <laughs> All right, so I'm I'm just going to set it up for listeners because you know uh, some of them haven't seen the game. But basically, while it was going down, so, uh, Judson kind of already they they explained it in the episode. So I'll give them credit for that. They kind of said that you know there are some weird things going on in Floresville. You know they haven't won there in three years, and the refs were always a little weird. So they did ask for a, a typhoid black shirt, which I want to say is basically like a head official type of guy. Am I right? Uh, no. Okay, here, go ahead and explain what a Typha Black Shirt is then. So a Typha Black Shirt is a league official. They are not a field official. We have no control of the field when it comes to the football game. That is on the head referee or what they consider, they call the white hat. Um, Now, we can advise a referee if they ask. Um, We interpret the rules. We interpret any type of rules in relation to the game to a referee, but we cannot change a call. We can't force the referee to change a call. Uh, if they make a call and they come to us and say, hey, you know, I made this call. Is that correct? We can interpret that rule at that point, uh, but there's nothing that we can do to change the call. That's on the referee to do. Yeah. All right. That, thank you for uh, you know clarifying that because I wasn't quite sure in the thing because they I know I remember that they did explain that, but uh, you know as the game went on it was a little iffy. Uh, so just this is just a follow up question to that. But can these uh, black shirts can they advise a referee if they ask for that advice? 
Absolutely. Um, if a referee comes to us and says, hey, we're, we're unclear about this rule, particularly at this age group, maybe it's the flag age group. Uh, I know that there's one rule with the flag and the tykes level, the, the two youngest levels, where you cannot rush the A gap. You cannot line up in the what they call the A gap, which is the two sides of the center. Um we can we can interpret those rules and advise the referees at that point, and it's up to them from that point to make those calls if that rule is violated. Uh, just to kind of give you a, another quick example of what how, what a TIFA official does, it's like the the game between the Green Bay Packers and the Seattle Seahawks. That pass that was caught in the end zone, where you had two referees come run up. One said incomplete, the other one said it was a touchdown. Um, Roger Goodell did not call down to the field to the head referee and say, hey, you got that call wrong. You need to change it. That is, we cannot do that either. That is the level that we're at. We do not interfere in the course of a game unless it is a safety issue or a violation of any kind of rules, but we can't change a call. We just let the referees know. Right. And that's that's totally fair. I think that makes sense because I mean you gotta put your faith in the ref in the ref staff because that's why they're there, right? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. And, and thank you for clarifying that because I wasn't completely sure. But anyways, so the black shirt that they did send was uh, I'm not sure if he is still the commissioner right now, but at the time it was Chris Davis, right? Yes. And you no, know, I'm just gonna put this out there. If you watched some of their interactions before and how they talked about each other throughout the not not just this season but the whole show you could definitely see that chris davis kind of had some stain towards like uh, keith dyson who was was a uh, i want to say he was the president of the judson jr rockets at the time am i correct yes yes so there's definitely a lot of tension there and so I, I mean i'm not gonna lie it definitely looked like keith dyson was a little disappointed when it was chris davis coming down there to you know be the black shirt for that game if, am i wrong there am i reading it wrong or oh no no it, but the, the in all fairness any game that chris davis shows up most people go like oh god <laughs> okay all right okay fair enough fair enough all right Let's jump into this actual game. So going in, you know, this this was a playoff game, so it was it was already a big deal, right? It's already a big deal, especially for Judson, because this is a team that they've always wanted to beat. You know? And going into the fourth quarter, at some point, Judson was leading 37 to 27. After that, you know, the, the Floorsville Wildcats they scored and made it 37 to 34. And in the last minutes of the game, specifically remember. Uh, well, okay, not specifically. I, I was, I, I made notes on this. So what happened is that Hudson Junior Rockets were basically at the goal line, right? They were about to score, and they had a chance to score with about forty-ish seconds left in the game. And you know what happened? I, I mean, I didn't see it because the camera angles of the game was a little weird. It's just one of those things. It's a reality TV show. You know, it happens. This isn't you know NFL like coverage, right? what happens is that there was there was a hold until so that happens and they get pushed back and they don't end up scoring and so floresville basically has the ball on i want to say around the five or six yard line and they had to go almost 90 something yards under 30 seconds left i want to say it was around 27 seconds left and what happened i i had to count it up because i wanted to be sure there were about 
50 yards worth of penalties that happened. Now, it was sideline warnings. It was unsportsmanlike conducts. There was one offsides there and then more unsportsmanlike conduct that was thrown on the coaching staff. And it was crazy because, I mean, just from an outside point of view, I basically saw as the Rockets coaching staff almost kind of fell apart a little bit and lost some composure there. Because if I'm not wrong, a lot of those unsportsmanlike conduct penalties seem to be have thrown at basically at the coaching staff. No, and, and to be honest, you know, great job on, on your uh your synopsis on that because a lot of people didn't see it that way um and I, one of the excuses or one of the i don't want to say excuses one of the explanations that i gave people all the time was go listen to my full radio broadcast of that game uh before you pass any kind of judgment because what it once you do you will see and you will hear uh just how much composure the Judson Rock, the Judson Junior Rockets coaching staff had lost. Uh, they were all over the football field. They were all over that sideline referee, and frankly, he just got fed up with it. And yes, they, they did have a lot of unsportsmanlike conduct calls called against them, sideline violations called against them. Uh, there were two offsides, back-to-back uh, -back offsides penalties called against the Rockets um, that also uh, contributed to that loss for them. Uh, one of the unsportsmanlike conduct calls was basically, and I blame the coaches for this, was because one of the defenders, I think it was the safety for the Rockets, took his helmet off after the last penalty offsides was called and made a comment to the referee that was inappropriate and he threw the flag for unsportsmanlike conduct. Well, he saw that because he saw that going on on the sideline with his coaches. Uh, so that really was the demise of the Rockets during that game. Yeah, sure. And I mean, here, I'm not, I don't want to hate on the Rockets too much because I'm being honest, there were, there were some, you know, penalties throughout the game that were pretty questionable. Like they threw a penalty on defensive substitution and that's, I don't know about that one, but it is what it is. They had multiple sideline warnings before, you know, and I mean, I mean, Friday Night Tykes, they really did a good job of showing both I don't know about both sides because I obviously have not been able to watch the whole game and listen to your broadcast, but they did show that, you know, the coaches on the other team were definitely in the white. They definitely probably should have gotten sideline warnings if the refs were going to throw them. I mean, am, am I wrong there or you're right and you're wrong at the same time. Okay. So <laughs> let me explain to you why I say that. Um, yes, there's no doubt. You could see it in the, in, in the, in the episode that the, the Wildcat coaches were in the white portion as well. Uh, but the difference between what they were doing versus the Rockets were doing is, number one, you notice that the coaches were getting out of the way of the sideline referee on that far sideline. They never made contact with him. They never got in his way. Yes, they stepped in there, they coached, and you would see them back off. Uh, with the Rockets coaches, they were getting in that sideline referee's way. He got bumped several times trying to get by during a play. Now at this point, it's turned into, okay, now you're just going to stay out of my white room and flag you. Not to mention the Rocket coaches were constantly in his ear complaining about every little call. Um, you didn't see the, the, the Wildcat coaches doing that. Uh, they were being very respectful of that referee and staying out of his way. Doing their job as coaches, then you would see someone pull it back. You know, if you look at high school, head coaches are always on the field. But you got that one assistant coach. His job is he's the he's the putback coach. 
He's the one that's going to grab the head coach, grab his shirt or his belt buckle, and pull him backwards before the play. Yes, yes, for sure. Thank you for clearing that up because I didn't want to make any assumptions because I, you know, you know how reality TV shows can be. They can leave stuff out every now and then. But yeah, it did seem like that the Floresville Wildcat coaching staff were definitely being more respectful, you know. And I mean, I, I didn't see a pullback guy, but I mean, that's just because it's probably just because of the way it was cut up. Okay, that, that totally makes a, a whole ton of sense. But yeah, so anyways, what happened? I mean, for those of uh, the listeners that don't know, uh, Mike Dotson, he drove down the field. He scored this pretty insane touchdown. It was basically just like an all-out run. All on him, you know, he, he ran into the end zone. He scored at the very last second, like very last second, because there were a couple times the, the clock well, ran down. Well, actually, it was an untimed down on a defensive penalty. That's right. Yes. So I guess it wasn't the very last second because that already passed. It was on an um, untimed down on a defensive penalty. But by then he was basically in the red zone. Am I right? They were at about the 25. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And that, see, that makes it even more impressive because I think on the show, it looks way shorter than, than the 25. But he, I mean, he basically took the ball. He ran, he ran it in. You know, I. I mean, there were a couple Rockets defenders there, so it wasn't like they played terrible defense, I would say. But by that point, you know, like, I mean, tempo, tempers were boiling, like you said, and, you know, it was kind of getting out of hand by that point. And, but anyways, he scored, and then utter chaos just unleashed. And you were quoted, well, I mean, you were quoted by the show, like they used this line, and uh, you said, another game ruined by adults. So, I mean, just from your point of view, your opinions, I kind of just want to ask you, like, what did you think about the ending of all that? You know, um, who, I mean, if I, mean, I don't want to put you on the spot and say, like, who is to blame, but, you know, like, what just happened? Like, what what was your opinion of, uh, of that whole situation? Because, yeah, I do agree that adults definitely ruined it. Well, you know, it, it, here's the thing, and, and I stand by what I said, and the, the, the line that I used, the line that I said they used as basically the uh, uh, the title of the episode, uh, Fantastic game, Football Game Ruined by Adults. Um, and, and, and I've spoken to the Rocket coaches who were involved, including Keith Dyson. Um, we've had several conversations about it. He, We disagree on things, and we agree on things. And one of the things that I do remember him agreeing with was their reactions, their actions on that football field um, is really what culminated to what happened at the end. Um, they got their parents all fired up uh, on the sidelines. I mean, even the coaches were going to the sidelines looking at their parents like, we're getting cheated, we're getting cheated. You don't do that. You, you don't do that. Uh, they got the kids all upset when it happened. And it, it what ended up happening was an apparent, they finally charged the field and went after the referee because they were under the understanding, their coaches are sitting there claiming it, we've been cheated. And that's what happened. And it took a game that was just fantastic. Granted, the Rockets lost. And I'll be honest, the poor Rockets, I love those kids. I always talk to those kids all the time. They just, at the at the, the playoff level, they can be right there. And they just cannot get over the hump. Um, eventually, they will. I hope they will. I, I, I wish nothing but goodwill on any team, any of the kids. Uh, but these past seasons, they just haven't been able to get over that hump. And this was just another example of it. Unfortunately, the adults destroyed a beautiful game that was uh, almost a three-hour game uh, before it all ended. 
and, and just destroyed it by by acting the way they did. Yeah, and it was a shame. And you know, hey, respect to both teams. You know, the Rockets, the Wildcats. In my opinion, I felt like the Rockets played a really good game. And I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Like I said, I was biased against Judson because you know of where I'm from, but. I really did want to see them, you know, go in the go deeper in the playoffs. I would have liked to see uh, Rockets Steelers match up that year because I, I feel like the Rockets may may have been just playing an off game the first time they met. But you know, unfortunately, this happened, and man, that's that's honestly it was crazy to watch. But hey, that's youth sports. I mean, you see that, right? It's youth sports. It's sports in general. I mean, you, any given day, a team can beat another one. Whether who's got more talent than not, if you're just having an off day, you can get surprised. Next thing you know, you're going home with an L. Hey, that's hey, that's very true. That's very true. All right. So these these are just some questions, you know, that I was kind of just wondering, you know, but did the Judson Jr. Rockets actually leave Typha? Because I tried looking it up and I couldn't find something that really like gave me an answer. But did they actually leave after that season? No. No, the Judson Jr. Rockets are still a part of Typhoon. Hey, perfect. <laughs> hey, I think that's awesome. You know, I just wanted to make sure because I know there was a lot of talk about that. And I, I assumed that was emotions, but I wasn't quite sure at the time. So, yeah. Now, uh, Keith Dyson did leave the organization. He did hand it over to somebody else. And uh, the Rockets organization decided as an organization, as a board, uh, that they they wanted to remain in Typha, that they were moving past um some of the past transgressions and uh, comments that were made and they were happy with the league and they were sticking by it. Hey, enough. All right. So we're, we're closing up here, but one of the questions that, I mean, me, Justin, Addison here all wanted to ask you was, so I kind of wanted you to go in depth about your job as well, because on the, on the show, it kind of seemed like you were announcing pretty much every big game. So, there's no way that you announce every single game, is there? <laughs> um, yeah, actually, there is. Um, basically, what, when it came to the producers, it came to the show. Um, before the show, when I was doing Typher Radio, if, say, the Live Oak Jaguar said, hey, we want you to come broadcast our games, uh, I would go to their field, whoever they were playing with, I would get their rosters, and I would broadcast all four of their games on Typher Radio. Uh, the flag level all up to the junior level we also have a senior level which are 12 and 13 year olds but they're not required to carry that age group only certain teens would uh so i would do that now once we got the show the show got started and they found out about type radio and they were like oh we have to have them we have to have them uh, they basically put me under contract to be anywhere that they were at now the show was only focused on a particular team of an organization uh, so that's the only game they were concerned about me doing um but I put it again on them that if I'm going to be at a particular field to cover the the what we call the TV game, I'm going to cover all four games. I'm not just going to do your game. I'm going to do the others as well. Um, and that's what I did. So I would do four games on a Saturday. Um, and there were times, that, especially as we got the playoffs, um, we had it in there to where if they were covering multiple games that were playoff implicated games of the TV teams that were being followed, then I would do that game at one field, pack up and head over to the other field and do that game. And we would actually get those scheduled one in the morning and probably one in the afternoon. So I could get that in. And wow, that's, <laughs> that's a lot of work. That's crazy. Wow. 
it, it was crazy. Um, it wasn't like I was going from San Antonio to Houston uh, or, or to Dallas. It was all mainly in San Antonio and maybe Austin uh, that I would have to go to, but that would be about it. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Nowadays, uh, what, what does your schedule kind of look like as someone who is the voice of Typha Radio? Well, I mean, it, it, and it's funny, it, you know, everybody focuses on uh, Typha and Typha Radio and what I do there, but I do a lot more than that. Um, I do have a full-time job. Um, I work here in Dallas at the uh, Universal Technical Institute as a uh, senior employment specialist, uh, where I help the students here uh, find jobs in their trade school that, uh, that they're going to uh, for automotive, diesel, and welding. Then I also, um, I do Typhoon Radio on Wednesday nights. Uh, when the season's going, I do a show on Wednesday nights. And of course, usually Saturday, I am somewhere in the state. Now, this is where it does get rough. Uh, either Houston, Dallas, San Antonio. Uh, there's been times I've gone to the RGV. There's been times I've been in West Texas or El Paso uh, covering four football games on a Saturday. Uh, but the other thing that I do is I also call high school football games. Um so usually a Thursday or even a Friday night, I'll either be somewhere here in Dallas or in San Antonio uh, doing high school football uh, for Texas Sports Productions, TSP, uh, doing play-by-play. And then occasionally on Saturday night, um, I also do the television broadcast where I'm the um, audio engineer for the, the high school football TV broadcast on uh, KCWX TV. Oh, man. Yeah, that's that's honestly awesome. Hey, shout out to all those uh, organizations and whatnot. You know, it, those are big parts of football, and that's hey, that's awesome. All right, hey, thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Not a problem. It was it was good fun. That's good, y'all. Welcome back to the Cycle 365. This is the second episode in our mini series. So, should have just heard the Kenny Long interview that we did, and you know, that wasn't all there was to it because I, I personally wanted to keep it a little bit shorter on that side, just because I, I didn't want to overwhelm him too much. But we definitely asked him some questions off the air, or while well, Justin and Addison asked them really good questions off the air and you know i kind of just want to talk about that so hey yeah y'all go ahead and take it away all right so um i don't know where necessarily you want me to start but uh basically we kind of just talked to him a little bit more about in-depth things about stuff he touched on in the interview and then just some of the other questions we were wondering like other players that were involved in typha and what they're up to now as far and then as far as things like kind of what he thinks would be good things for uh football in texas how he feels the high school systems in texas prepare kids for the next level and overall he he kind of said he thinks uh, texas does a good job preparing kids for their colleges and whatnot as well as being involved in a program that helps advance kids uh not just in football but education as well and i know you were listening on that simon uh do you want to touch a bit more on it yeah yeah i'll I'll touch it on it plus i mean i'm i'm from texas i think i've said that like a million times but i've definitely 
Now, I've definitely experienced a lot of the things that most Texas football players have, have gone through. And, yeah, I mean, I think, as a first off, as a physical educator, which is something that I am, I definitely value sports and whatnot. I think it helps keeps kids off the streets, but teaches them good life lessons. That is, if the coaches have that same value. And, I mean, I think there aren't as many coaches nowadays that are very, hey, we got to win now and nothing else matters. Um, mindset wise, I think there are more coaches that care about the actual athlete, you know, their families and how well, how well they do after they, they leave. And you know, football is definitely one of those games where there are a lot of you know, teachable and transferable skills like we talked about in the first episode. And look, I think with football, you know, obviously in Texas, they, they want their kids to succeed athletically. That's why I mean, because everyone's competitive. That's just it, you know, and in more more normal states maybe colorado per se i would say every five or six high schools there might be one d1 player in texas especially okay i'll say this on the division five and division six levels so the top two divisions there's at least one division potential football player on every high school team in texas and i truly believe that if not a talent or if not division one talent then definitely you know division one ethic i should say and oh there's there's just so much talent and i think you know in texas they do a really good job of developing players because you're not going to get away with just having one good person you got to have a mob or a squad to shut down you know these high-powered offenses because every day there's players that are transferring for you know to, to get better to go to a better situation whether it's to go to a situation where they're not in a neighborhood that has a ton of gang violence or go to a situation where they they themselves will probably succeed better because there's not as many distractions in school. And so in my opinion, I think Texas does an excellent job in general of educating the kids and telling them like, look, you know, football, it's not going to last forever at the max. This thing will carry you sport. At least you playing the sport might carry you maybe to your, Eight thirties, if that, but even that's really rare. And I think most kids know that making going pro is rare. So they really do focus on, hey, use this thing as a way to get out of your situation and be in a better situation. That's just my honest opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. And I think, um, I think uh, Kenny did a good job touching on that sort of stuff off air and uh, what he thinks of uh, youth football in Texas and, um, you know, I think in his interview, he did touch a bit more on how the show and the league was actually portrayed. Like, was was it accurate and whatnot? And I know off the air, we asked him about, you know, since he sits on uh, the board of Taifa, you know, we asked him about whether or not these accusations, sometimes they get that, you know, the head coach of, let's say, the Mustangs or something sits on the board as well. And so they're making rules and stuff to favor their team in the playoffs and whatnot and you know he he did address it in a very professional and respectful way basically saying that like yeah they might be you know he's not going to say that sometimes they don't do it but them trying to influence what they're doing um you know it, it rarely works because it, they can't just say oh i want to do this and so it's going to happen they have to pass it by other board members and then go higher up um in the structural system of taifa 
so you know i think that kind of put a big a big stop to accusations that people had when watching the show about you know these coaches are influencing it too much to try and swing it in their favor and he just he kind of squashed all rumors about that really well and um that just is another testament to how well texas is doing right now um kind of curving politics out of the way of the development of the of the kids and the athletes uh, no i i totally agree you know, one of the pieces of typha is that it's so structured like i know kenny said like oh well this isn't really an elite you know league in my opinion i think it is because there are plenty of leagues that aren't as structured as typha that don't have like black shirts can advise on a rule outside of the three refs that are already there like i'm being honest most youth sports leagues for football maybe have one or two refs at most and that's it and if there's a complaint oh well suck it up it doesn't matter and i think you know typha really does a good job of like all right this is the structure and it's structured like this because we've had problems before and you know what it just gets rid of a lot of drama because you know having a really good structure you're basically working off of facts and you know plenty of of good people honestly and so and not just like one person overseeing the whole thing but plenty of people that have a ton of eyes on the situation and could input what they want to say yeah no i completely agree with that um and um i definitely agree with that and it, it is really nice how they do try to cut out and try to mitigate the problems as much as they can and like we talked about in the interview with Kenny is the the whole dilemma at that Jetson uh, Junior Rockets game or sorry not Jetson Jetson Junior Rocket game um and you know how you know Kenny broke it down and like you know like you said is you know and, and I've seen it on other ends where it's like in the hockey we don't we don't get that we don't have that at all so it would have been a call that it's just like you know you know, the ref is not going back on that, you know, tough stuff, suck it up, buttercup, like that's what you have to live with. Um, and it sucks, but it's nice that they actually have those things in place so that way you can start to work on a problem. And then, you know, they could take someone who's not involved in the game and they can really just look at a rule and then go from there. And, and they can advise, and although a call can't necessarily be can't be returned or overturned um they can um they can you know advise on it and look into it and, and provide further uh examination yeah sure and I, that's what makes typho elite because you know the first off to have that level of structure and complexity you gotta have money because all these people aren't gonna do it just for free and i'm sure they're not getting paid bank I'm sure they're getting a little bit of money to, you know, do do their job right and have some respect for the game. And that's what makes Typha special. That's what makes it elite. Because, I mean, th this is just... We'll get into whole, the whole discrimination, privilege thing later on in future episodes. But, you know, if you go to a rich league, you know, obviously they'll be able to afford all these great things. We didn't really touch on this a ton because it just didn't come up. But for those of you who haven't seen Friday Night Tykes, if you watch the championship games, they're played in pretty nice stadiums. 
stadiums in Texas, I mean, they just don't let anybody play in them because that's a they have to maintain it every week pretty much because that's just the aesthetic. So they got to pay a pretty solid oh, rental fee to rent out those stadiums, those venues, not only for the kids, but for the adults so that all their families could go and, you know, be able to see their kids play football. And honestly, with Taifa, there are multiple ways that, where you could watch a Taifa football game. Whereas if you're playing in a YMCA league, I mean, you're either there or you're not. <laughs> and if there's not anybody to film it, well, tough luck, buddy. Like, you're not going to be able to see that memory ever again. So it is what it is. Yeah, and um, remind me again, Simon, um, when did you start playing football in Texas? Well, I started playing on the middle school level just because my family personally didn't have the kind of money you know afford to put myself in a good league and then that also meant buying pads equipment all that stuff and i mean i was gonna outgrow all that equipment because that's what happens when you have growing kids so i started at middle school all right yeah so did they have anything at the middle school level close to typha for you or just kids your age and how was that compared to i guess other other leagues like typha I would say stadium wise or venue wise they that was pretty close to taifa if not better you know in my city my hometown in plano we had three main fields that were how should i say this three main fields that were basically designated for the central middle schools and so my city was uh divided off into east west and central and they're like 15 middle school so you know you could figure out the math from there uh semi you know divided up evenly and so there are three different fields and then as well there was one huge stadium clark stadium which is definitely bigger than my own college's stadium or well, alma mater stadium unc that seated at least 10,000 people and you know and so many people go there it's been it's been a really big deal like the likes of johnny manzel has been there kyla murray like heisman winners have been there uh division one players nfl players whatever you can name it it's built for those type of people to be comfortable up in the press boxes and whatnot and so i did have an opportunity as a kid at least once every year actually twice every year because there was another stadium um, in my city that we were able to play in whenever we played the schools from the east side so that stadium was designated for east side schools and that one was even bigger so every we would get a chance to play in two of those big stadiums and we'd have a pretty solid field to play on along with you know goal posts and down markers and all that uh, from a refing standpoint i'm pretty sure we always had that maybe not like a black shirt say but like a head ref so there would be like three refs and then another guy that would kind of just weigh in and you know he would or she i mean it could definitely be a she he or she would make sure that the games go smoothly and that there wasn't anything going wrong and those guys were all hired by the school district because i went to a better school district honestly or a bigger school district where they could afford to have a really good structure and so they would live stream games as well and this was back like the early 2010s i would say when live streaming wasn't as normal as it is now but we definitely had a solid amount of what Typha had. I mean, uniform-wise, it varied from school to school. Each school's uniform was as good as the donors that gave money to that middle school. So it really just depended. 
Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Well, you know that's always that's always really good when you can have that sort of structure, especially like you said, the uh, the live streaming and stuff wasn't as common back then as it is now. So, um, you know, that kind of tells me that they were they were ahead of the game per se, and they did their best to make it all worthwhile for the athletes. Would you say? Yeah, no, I would say so. Absolutely. Well, this is a personal memory of mine, but my eighth grade year, my dad had to go to Colorado because he wanted to start school up here and uh, in Colorado Springs. And so he did not see any of my eighth grade games at all. But no, at least the Clark Stadium game, which was one of the big games we played in the big stadium, they live streamed that just because they have the technology too from the, you know, from the booth and whatnot. And so he was actually able to see that game uh game only actually now that i think about it just because it was live streamed and whatnot and it, i thought it was really cool because we he called me afterwards said i did a good job we talked a bit and it was really nice and you know like i said this was back in the 2010s and you know like i mean you can't you can't really live stream as much back then and even then i mean there are some games they could live stream some that they couldn't it just it just depended so that's uh yeah that was that was our deal Yes, that's really cool, and all you know, that's awesome. You were able to get that connection, all that. Um, kind of bringing it back to the questions we asked Kenny off air. I'm trying to trying to remember some of the questions I asked. Were there was there anything else uh, question wise that we asked off air that kind of made an impression on you? I think. Uh, yeah, we asked about Justice Hurt. <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, he said he was a freshman, right? And he was doing well. He didn't touch too much on it. He just kind of said he's do, he's a freshman, you know, he's doing well. And then he's, uh, you know, we'll see what happens, basically. I don't know if there was anything else you got out of it. I mean, really, all I got out of it is that, you know, not every player that goes to Taifa is going to be super successful. As is Myzel Miller and Alan Caraccio and Lucas Coley and some of the guys that we mentioned uh mccutcheon oh they're they're freaks of nature they're gonna be able to start on their varsity squads right away you got to remember that this is texas this ain't no scrub you know state or whatever with with no talent like i said you got d1 players on pretty much every squad up there and or down there and so it's not you got to be realistic with it you know justice i'm sure is a solid player and whatnot but I mean, starting at varsity as a freshman in Texas, that's definitely a special thing. And it just goes to show, I mean, maybe he's not trash, but, uh, you know, maybe it's something else. Like maybe he's not as physically developed as a Mizell Miller or a Latrell McCutcheon or whatnot. And, you know, that's just youth sports. Like those are factors that you really can't handle. I mean, you know, you can't handle hands on as a as a coach or as an athlete. You know, that's just sports. Yeah, for sure. And I think what he kind of brought into that when we were talking about uh, Justice Hurt and a bunch of those other guys is a lot of these kids, as they kind of got older, they kind when they were on t- uh, Friday Night Tikes, they kind of got what he called the, what was it, the Hollywood factor or yes, yes. Hollywood sickness, something like that. A lot of these kids kind of got it and then they, you know, they got to high school and they realized that, oh, you know, this isn't what it is, you know, I can't, I can't just write off of Taifa anymore. I can't write off of being on a TV show. You know, all these guys are getting looks and everybody knows everybody. So, you know, I can't, I kind of, 
I guess I would say they kind of got humbled. Not all of them got it, but the ones that did, they kind of realized, oh, you know, it's not as big of a deal as, you know, maybe I was making it out to be. Uh, no, I, I agree. And I thought that was interesting. It wasn't like that was something that I would didn't totally see coming, you know, in, in this day of social media and whatnot, especially with a show like Friday Night Tikes that was shown nationally, not just in Texas, all over the country. I mean, look, it's hard uh, to deal with some of that pressure and attention because pretty much anybody could hit up any of these players on social media and be like, hey, great job on that one game in Friday Night Tikes. And, you know, when you look at the viewers of the show, I mean, it was in the millions. And so it's really not that hard to believe that some of these kids maybe got at least hundreds of DMs every day, thousands once they got social media and whatnot. And it's, I mean, it's crazy, you know, and it's, <clears throat> I think at the end of the day, it's important to, for them to, you know, go back to football and get humbled and whatnot, because at the end of the day, you're going to be judged as an athlete, as an athlete, you're going to be judged by what you do on the field. And they know that, you know, because they, they didn't choose to play in Friday or sorry, in Taifa just, just to have fun. They wanted to play against other guys who wanted to prove themselves against the best. And, you know, that drive isn't something that just goes away like, oh, you know, <clears throat> I proved that I was the best against other, you know, eight, uh, 11 year olds for this amount of time. So that means I never have to prove it again, even though I'm on the high school level. Like, nah, you know, if you get exposed on the high school level, especially nowadays where everyone has a camera, they're going to let you know. And it's not, you know, being successful in a youth league isn't something to exactly brag about no matter how much it's advertised yeah for sure and i think i think that could go for a lot of youth sports too is like some people that were really good when they were younger um they kind of make it to the high school level and all that and they expect to have the same success but you know when you hit that high school level you're not just playing against the small little group in your area anymore you're playing against you know people all around all around you know your area so like these people look at it and they go oh i'm gonna have a lot of success here and then like you know some kid from they've never heard of but was in a greater area that that than they, where they were at playing youth they realize oh i gotta you know i have to prove myself again just being just being young didn't and good didn't prove me like didn't showcase my talent all the way because you know the one kid who's really good when he's young isn't necessarily going to be the kid that's great when he's older because people have time to develop you know they start going through uh maturing stages in life and you know then they start hitting the weight room and stuff and so you got to prove yourself at every level every year otherwise you kind of just fade off and people go oh he's not as good as he or she um not as good as they were when they were younger and i think a lot of people ride on that too much yeah, no i agree and and on that note like addison and i could tell you this like just from growing up is there's kids that you know i grew up playing with who were getting the looks getting the offers and everything and not so long ago i look back and they haven't accomplished too much um you know, it's they, yeah, they were greatest kids, but now that they're at the adult, like where they're at the level where it really matters, where, you know, your height doesn't 
does it say everything about you? You're this, does it say everything about you? And now they've dropped off the grid and they are not as good as they used to be. And what looked like very promising careers for them has kind of, unfortunately, kind of fizzled out for them. It's just kind of interesting is that like, you know, a lot of these kids who were like, you know, you were thinking like you'd see them and five or six years down the road, you know, kids catch up to them, you know, and now they're, they're part of the, they're, you know, they're the same as everyone else. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see is that the kids you used to measure yourself up with and who were the stuff at 10, 11, 12 years old, you know, 10 years later, it's not necessarily the case. Yeah, very true. Also, I just realized we never really got to introduce Justin. Uh, the person I was just talking was Justin Zyke. <laughs> if you want to do a quick introduction for it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, hello, Justin Zyke. Um, yeah, I've grown up playing ho hockey for 18 years now. So I have a lot. I don't have a lot of experience in football, uh, playing it at least. But, um, you know, playing hockey so i do understand you sports uh know what that's like to an extent yeah and uh by the way these two were both sitting on the interview so they got to listen in and whatnot as i as i interviewed kenny but anyways yeah hey that's a really good point uh justin that you made and honestly i feel like I mean, it's this is not the case for every kid but for a lot of kids i feel like parents and the pressure they put on their children plays a really big role on maybe how some of these kids see themselves as athletes some parents will be like oh hey you know you're doing great don't focus too much on sports you know maybe focus a little bit more on how you could financially gain from this thing and whatnot and then that could get misconstrued sometimes and you know it gets them unfocused and maybe they're not putting in as much hard work and before you know it they fall behind and you know justin i think i'm pretty sure it was justin either one of y'all one of y'all asked kenny about you know the adult pressure in youth sports and kind of elaborate on that i know we talked about it during the uh, actual interview but basically kenny he he did this thing that really struck a chord with me he said that you know he's never seen a child get a multi-million dollar contract straight out of a youth league He's never seen a coach in a youth league get a multi-million dollar contract out of a youth league. So that, I mean, that says a lot in my opinion. Uh, yeah, that was uh, me who asked the question because I do remember Kenny saying as the seasons went on, it became less about the kids and more about uh, the parents. And like you said, from the Judson uh Judson game is you were hearing the parents beacon at the camera and not not the Typha cameras but the the Esquire cameras like they were just they were just chatting up the camera like and you know you could see how it, it's definitely the parents get more involved and again I've seen it growing up is you can see the parents they just they do vicariously live through their children. And Kenny did say that is a lot of them do live through their children is they never got to accomplish that when they were younger. And so they are living out their dreams through their child. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Uh, so he here's a question I have for y'all. So we've talked about, you know, social media pressure from adults, but how much do you think, you know, social media and not even just social media, but shows, media in general 
like Friday Night Tykes pressure on, on you know kids and affects how they see themselves because you know, I definitely see plenty of kids and adults especially getting some big heads after seeing their names you know through social media through uh, media just a ton and you know them getting DMs and whatnot I definitely feel like that affects how adults and children uh, on the youth sports level see themselves yeah and Kenny touched on that a little bit with the Hollywood fever and whatnot uh, some kids did get um did get starstruck and you know by themselves and kind of got big heads over the whole thing but then another thing he touched on was you know a lot of the kids also wouldn't necessarily get that sort of thing like it wasn't as big of a deal and one thing he talked about was you know they'd play a game with each other and then or against each other and then you know 15 minutes after the game's over They'd be on a little field next to the actual football field playing an intramural game amongst themselves, like mixing up the teams and everything and just playing together like it was no big deal. And, you know, just having fun being kids. And I think part of where this stigma of uh, where it looks like a lot of pressure is put on these kids is because people think, oh, there's cameras. These kids feel pressure. Oh, it's on national television. When, at least for Typha, it looked kind of like these kids thought it was just cool that cameras were filming them. And because they had the streaming around them, they were kind of used to having some cameras filming their games and stuff. So they just kind of found it cool. And then when they saw themselves on TV, they were like, hey, you know, that's cool. But it didn't really change much of their lives. And then, of course, some people it did and all that. And I think just these documentaries, sometimes people think things are going on when... It's not, and that's simply just because of what you see out of the whole thing and you see the cameras around and what they're filming. So it seems like it's a bigger deal than it potentially is. But of course, that's just the way they film things and the way they broadcast it. It just, they have to make it seem a certain way and they do. And so that's part of the entertainment factor, but it's not necessarily the reality, even though Kenny said the way Esquire portrayed Typha and the people in Typha was pretty accurate to what actually happened. Justin, did you have anything you wanted to add on to that? No, I think Addison pretty much hit the nail on the head. Um, I, I I do feel like, like you said, um, is everyone has a camera nowadays, and so you never know who's going to be at the right place at the right time. And, you know, I know this isn't sports, but... Uh, Mason Ramsey, the, the Yodeling kid, you know, someone had their cell phone out in Walmart and someone had their cell phone out in Walmart and it blew up and now the kid's performing at Coachella and everything. You know, it's just a simple trip to Walmart and that's what that's what transpired from it. Um, so I think it's, it, it can help, like it can make or break someone's career, you know. You're at the right place at the right time. Someone sees the skill level you have, and now all of a sudden, you know, you're getting calls from from coaches, and you're getting calls from scouts and everything, wanting you to come play here, wanting you to come play there. So it all kind of varies. Um, but I, I think overall, Addison probably hit the nail on the head. And you know, like Kenny said, some kids some kids kind of felt it a little bit, others didn't. It all kind of depended on the kid. And if I'm being honest you know it, it will happen to you a little bit like think about that it's it's not something we grow up with it's not something we're used to 
it's not something we're used to at all. We're not used to necessarily waking up and, you know, oh, we're going to get filmed today. So I think it happens a little bit. We are human and stuff does happen, but it is a crazy, unique experience that we're all very excited that we get to see and be a part of. So I think it happens a little bit, but I don't think it was ever ridiculous. Again, we didn't get to see the show. But we didn't get to like we didn't get to see everything that happened. But overall, I feel like it wasn't anything too crazy. And most most of all, we just got to see these kids, see the parents living their normal lives. Yeah, and you know, to kind of go back on the filming and stuff, I'm gonna speak a little from experience here. Uh, uh, throughout my uh, career in hockey, I've had the I've had the luck of being able to get. Uh, streamed across certain platforms, some provincial, some nationally, both in Canada and the United States. And you know, when you're playing your sport, the cameras really don't matter. Like, you know they're there at first, but then after the first couple games, it just kind of is like, whatever. You know, you use it more like film, because like nowadays anybody can pull out a camera. It's just where it's getting filmed over. And then, especially this year, I played in a smaller town. The town had a hockey team for years, and then they lost it. Um, and then we came in as an expansion team. And so the town was really looking forward to it. And so when you got a good majority of the town coming out to your games every weekend, you know, that took it to a new level. And it was cool. It, it was cool. Like, you, you don't lose the cool factor to it. Um... But I'd say the only time where it really had its biggest effect was when you played your first game and you saw that it wasn't just, you know, your mom and dad at the games and maybe, you know, some family members and stuff like that. It was all your home fans because you also didn't have the moms and dads and the fans of the other teams like you would. But you get that home home court, home turf, home, you know, ice advantage. And so you're a little, you're a little awestruck by it. And then, you know, we were walking around town at the beginning when we first came in and we got a lot of attention. People were like, oh, hey, it's, you know, number blah, blah, blah from uh, the Rock Hounds and this sort of thing. And you're like, wow, that's cool. But then after, you know, the town got used to seeing you around town and you got used to seeing people around town, you know, you'd still get the attention. But it was just kind of matter of factly, if someone someone call like called out your name or something you'd go over say hi and just strike up a conversation and that was part of what they kind of told us to do just you know to get good relations with the town but then also a lot of people just enjoyed it and didn't really go to many people's heads it was just kind of like oh this is really cool that this is happening i haven't had this happen before so i'm just going to enjoy it and then go about my daily life and like i touched on when we did our mini series podcast we ended up getting to know a lot of the high schoolers that were our age in the town. And so, you know, if we weren't at practice or at games or something and they weren't at school or something, you know, you'd, you'd all end up hanging out at Tim Hortons or the restaurants or something in those groups. So you kind of just became another teenager in the town who happened to play a sport on the weekend that people went to go watch. So it doesn't, and that might be some of the fact that we were older, that it didn't go to our heads as much uh, as it would like a 10 or 12 year old. But I just think that's probably how it felt for a lot of these other kids. They were just living their life and the cameras just happened to be there with them. 
Those are both good points. So coming to the end of this episode, and I just wanted to wrap this all up real nicely. So most of this episode was about social media and media and youth sports. I mean, that's why we had our little interview with Kenny Long does run Typho Radio as well as, uh, you know, he was on Friday Night Tykes as well. And so the question I have for y'all, and I'll answer it first, but the question I have for y'all is, is social media and media generally good for youth sports? And I'm not talking about sports, uh, you know, for these kids after youth sports and whatnot. I'm talking about under 18 youth sports in the moment. Is it good for, uh, for athletes, honestly? And my opinion is that Generally, I would say yes. Obviously, there are ups and downs but as time goes on. I mean, already this is something that's kind of being normalized in youth sports and sports in general. So it's not like there's a whole ton of pressure nowadays. So I think that normalization of media, social media, having cameras out at all times is kind of taking away that pressure. And in my opinion, I think there are a lot of positives to, you know, games and whatnot being advertised to the media to social media and whatnot and it just it helps you know get kids is out there and i think film is always important because it not only helps the athlete see what they did wrong but it gives opportunities for other people to help a kid tell them hey these are some things you do really good and that boosts their confidence and then as well as humble them and say hey these are th- some things you got to work at because i mean that's just reality so i just want to see what y'all think about it is social media and media good generally for youth sports i think there's more positives to it than negatives of course we shouldn't be you know streaming and having social media accounts for you know ymca beginner four-year-old soccer uh but you know if if the association you're with that let's say starts at you know eight years old and goes all the way up to uh 18 if they have a social media account to broadcast what they're doing as an organization or if your team mom or something decides i want to start a social media page for you guys to follow and kind of you know share with your friends and stuff like that and we'll take pictures of you guys and post them so you can get on social media and you know have fun with it yeah sure why not youth sports is about having fun it's about um enjoying it and you know if that if you get on social media and you, you know you have a follower you know a following of a hundred people or whatever you know you're having fun with it you're people are taking pictures of your trips with your friends and stuff like that and it's something to remember so i think that's good i just think and you same with the streaming and stuff you know people have grandparents and stuff that it can't always come so you know if you stream the games at a certain level and you know now the grandparents can log in and watch your games that's that's awesome now that you all can share something at distance i just think we should be careful and people should be careful about treating athletes like something they aren't and that's not a bad thing it's just don't put more pressure on them to succeed than they than they need and like kenny said no youth football player is getting a multi-million dollar contract before middle school or high school or whatever so you know we shouldn't be putting the pressure that these guys are you know elite athletes because you know reality is yeah a couple million people have heard of them but then when you think about it on the larger scale there might be triple if not more people who haven't heard of them so we don't need to put that pressure on them you know do it for the right reasons don't do it for the wrong reasons basically 
Yeah, and I agree with uh, what Addison said is, yeah, it's all great. I think it's great to an extent. I don't think you should put this thing on a pedestal and idolize it and and let these kids believe that, like, like that they're, like, not believe, but, like, don't idolize it. Because, again, this isn't the NFL. This is youth football. These are youth sports. So don't go bananas over the whole thing. But, you know, it is nice that, you know, grandma and grandpa can, you know, live in California and, you know, their grandkid is playing football in Texas and they can watch that game. Or like in your case, Simon, your dad was in Colorado and you were playing in Texas. Your dad was able to watch that game. You know, and something I've kind of experienced, you know, playing at NDSU is they didn't stream all of our games. Um, But like when we had when we went to this showcase in Blaine, you know, they did stream some of the games. And so my parents were able to watch because a lot of my teammates are from Minnesota. And so mom and dad, you know, families, all that are there. And my pa- my parents weren't there. But, you know, being able to stream those games was nice that my parents were still able to watch. But I think, you know, you got to do this to an extent is don't put this on a pedestal and don't idolize this. Because again, they're... 10, 11 year old kids. Kenny's never seen a, a kid go to the NFL straight out of, out of, <laughs> you know, out of Taifa. So just relax a little bit, have fun with it, and don't let it get twisted and distorted with what's actually, what its actual intention and purpose is. Because Addison also made a good point is, yeah, there's a lot of people that did see that show. There's also a lot of people that, haven't seen that show and if you said the name Mizell Miller uh, who, who's that I, I don't know who that is but on the other hand there's kids who might be as good maybe even better than some of the kids we saw on uh, Friday Night Tight but they don't they haven't gotten a look or we don't know about them because there wasn't a TV show on them there isn't you know they play football in I don't know Colorado instead of instead of Texas. So it's just not as big. And so it's just not as noticeable. So I think it varies and it can be helpful. It can also be toxic. It just depends. At w- it depends on the light at which it- it's used on, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think that totally makes sense. And you're, you're totally right. Like it should be used for the right reasons. And I agree. I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, if there is any sort of media or social media following of a youth sports league team, whatever that is perceived as will be based on whatever adult is running that, you know, that account. Because I guess, I mean, sure, I guess a kid could figure it out for themselves. It's not like the hardest thing in the world. Uh, most of the time, it will probably be ran for by an adult. And the way they use that social media will depend on them. Which, you know, hey, adults and youth sports, we we all know it by now. It could go either way at this point. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, yeah, I, I guess I guess we said it all. And I know we're trying to close this out here real quick. But I know this is partially a reactions video. And I think everybody will agree, uh, both uh, listeners and us, probably the biggest reaction to this whole interview we had was when we first introduced Kenny 
and he came on uh, through our headsets and everything. And he had that voice from the radio that he has on the show. And I know we all kind of looked at each other and we're big grins on our face, you know, high-fiving and stuff like that because it just, it seems so authentic. And then to get him talking about things in a different light. I think that was just one of my favorite things from the interview in general. And I'm sure everybody else can agree. And I think it's definitely worth a listen, whether you've seen the show or not. I think it's probably one of the best uh, recordings we've had uh, uh, at the cycle. And so that that's just my kind of two cents because I, I think that's something we need to touch on with how cool that was you know geeking out like a, like we were a bunch of fangirls or boys of some band or something just over that small little thing i think that was just really cool to actually get that interview and hear that voice yes 100 percent totally agreed i can't tell y'all i mean i know i know the listeners heard me say thanks once but i said thanks at least a million times to kenny I I didn't think we could land a guy like him, but we did. And honestly, hey, he's such a nice guy, and he really helped us out. I I mean, I just edited that whole interview, and I know I sounded nervous, like not as composed as I used to, or as I usually am. But hey, it is what it is. I thought it was a great interview, and all the thanks to him. He's a great guy. I think it's the type of people we need in youth sports. If I'm being honest, more of Kenny Long types, you know? Yeah. And like he said, he's done some big, um, he's done some big podcasts and he's done some small ones, but he was super nice about it. He was a great guy. He was, he was an all-star. Like he was awesome. He was, he, he really was a, just an awesome, super awesome guy. Like I had no complaints and he was more than willing to do it. Um, and yeah, he, there was no complaints. He genuinely, or at least to me, he seemed genuinely happy to do it. He had a great attitude, you know. It, he definitely seemed like interested and really wanted to do the interview and really was kind of happy and willing to provide information and insight on the show and youth sports and youth football in Texas. So I thought it was really awesome that he was genuine. He didn't feel like, I, I didn't feel like he felt like his time was being bothered or anything like that at all. Yeah, I didn't no, feel like that at all. No doubt. No doubt about it. Shout out to Kenny Long. Shout out to the Texas Youth Football Association, a.k.a. Typha. And hey, if you have not checked out Friday Night Tykes, I would highly recommend it. I'm not going to lie. I'm a huge football fan. But watching that show definitely made me think a couple times over about how I want to approach putting my kids into sports. Not not that I have any kids, just, just to be clear. I'm too young for that there we go <laughs> yeah I, I i i agree with you i think uh we're a little we're all a little too young for kids but i do think it's worth a listen i think our podcast episodes are worth a listen uh with this mini series we're doing especially because a lot of people who are going to be listening have taken part in youth sports at some degree so i think everybody can relate to it everybody's going to enjoy it um and you know if you guys like the kenny long interview we will do our best to get more guys like that more people of his character and hey maybe we might even see or hear him on a couple podcasts in the future x all right uh addison justin do y'all have any last words before we close it up last thoughts 
Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say thank you, uh, Simon. I appreciate you having me on um, and let me listen into the, uh, the interview with Kenny and let me kind of put my opinions and two cents into things and just let me kind of express some things that I've felt and things that I've thought about. You know, I do appreciate the opportunity and it's been an awesome experience. And then Kenny, thing I, I've said thank you probably like a thousand times, but again, I wanted to say thank you for that awesome uh, awesome interview and taking the time out to let us ask you some questions and just kind of pick your brain a little bit. It was awesome. It's it, it's kind of surreal to see, you know, someone you watched on TV and hear their voice and now you get to ask them uh, questions. Uh, it's just an awesome experience. So thank you very much for this uh, amazing lifetime experience. Yeah, I think we all said thanks to Kenny a lot. And, you know, I'm just going to leave it here with a cool note uh, let's you know if you're listening right now keep an eye out here in the future we're going to have a couple interviews coming with a couple college athletes and uh, uh, simon what were what were the names of the people you had coming on here soon oh coming up we do have a ton of interviews listen i know you have a friend of yours um this girl who played it was hockey right on the oh, college yes. level so we have uh coming up we have an interview with jasmine hughes she is about to start her first year playing college hockey hockey has not always been the only sport she has played she has also taken part in basketball as well as a few other sports she's going to be hopping on here to help us discuss some things with our mini series i know you have a couple girls willing to come on i know we've been lacking on some female opinions and voices here at the cycle and we were working to get on that she jasmine she did track this year she also took part in basketball when she was younger and she's about to start her first year at alvernia college playing ice hockey for their team and you know she's had some she's had some good experiences traveling across the country playing sports and she's had some good and bad experiences with coaches and things in her life so i think she's going to be a great person to bring on and you all should should tune in oh absolutely i look forward to that interview there's a plenty of interviews going forward um i'm still look i'm gonna be honest with the listeners i'm still scheduling all of them making sure i'm confirming but the ones that i have confirmed as of now i got my boy um i don't know if i should say their names forget it i'll say their names uh, i got my boys I... give them a little uh suspense as to what's going on because uh you know good good idea of what we got coming in the works so people don't just think we're faking the hype got some good people coming on yeah no we definitely do and i'll, I'll just say these two names they're they're confirmed you know we'll be doing the interview pretty soon here but my boy nick garza and jake schaefer both of these guys went to northern colorado with me they graduated this year they're both physical education majors the interesting thing is that they're both way okay i'm not going to say way older than me but they're both much older than me i would say so they have plenty of more experience you know coaching youth working with kids and whatnot and you know we're going to talk about discrimination i want to say in sports and so that'll be really interesting because you know it's from the point of view of three physical educators young ones at that um, uh, diverse backgrounds i want to say and so it'll be really cool to listen to what they gotta say as well as you know i'm not 
I'm not going to make any promises, but hopefully we could get uh, our fellow podcasters, the Ball Girls, Jordan and Haley on here pretty soon here. Both of them are Canadians. I, I don't know what yes, that has to I do with know. anything. But. I, I don't know, but if Kawhi's got something to do with it, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> that'll be good. Uh, yeah, that's right. The Ball Sisters. Um, and, and do I tell them about some of the guys that I've been talking to, some ex-pros in college? college guys or should we should we leave that uh up to them to watch out for oh let's let's leave it up to them you know we we gave them three i think that's a pretty good amount we'll leave it there that sound good yeah yeah for sure and you know now now at least they know a little bit we got some guys that we're looking at to bring on who definitely know their stuff and know what they're talking about so yeah, stay tuned. And we'll get, we'll get these episodes out when they're all done and they look they're sounding good. So stay tuned. Next, all right, Addison, Justin, appreciate y'all coming on to the podcast. Always a good time, you know. I appreciated it for the listeners. Look out for the next episode of the official Cycle Three Six Five podcast. We're going to be covering the NBA, uh, those potential return scenarios, along with Seventy Four list. Our reaction to Michael Jordan's The Last Dance. Addition, a popular request, we're going to be bringing back the Fantasy Fictional Football League, talking about undrafted free agents, and then uh, in the future, look out for potential Fantasy Fictional Football League content. We actually run season simulations, and we'll report that to y'all. I think it's a fun little thing. It's great. Obviously, this miniseries is going to continue throughout the summer. Look for episodes on Monday and Tuesday. If you haven't checked out the last one, check it out. It was great. Uh, thanks for rocking with us. Give us some love on social media. And yeah, we're out. Yeah.